praise you, Lord, bless the children. wrong with the church world today is that we don't take time to just bask in the presence of the Lord because there are so many things that require are required of us that it's hard to be able to just say I'm not I just got to set down these half hour here and worship God meditate on God and not so much talk to him as listen so listen to what he's saying because he's talking to us all the time when we respond to him. Today is the day of Pentecost. And I always like to say what it is and explain it once more so that the body of Christ recognizes the most powerful day that this is. You know, um, Pentecost is the Christian um, festival, a celebration of the descent of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost came, there was power given to the church. When the Holy Ghost came, there was power given. Now, there's a difference between, between influence and, and power. You know, Goliath had influence. David had power. You know, and the Philistines, in Jesus' day, they had influence, but the apostles had power. This is the day that God empowered the church. What does that mean? I don't feel very powerful today. And sometimes when we're in his presence, we don't feel very powerful. We feel unworthy to be in his presence. But there's a power that lies in the heart of the born-again believer that the world doesn't have. And guess what? The world doesn't even understand it. And it's our job to bring that powerful light to those who don't know about it. So this is a very powerful day, and I pray to God that every church... Every pastor in our world is telling their church that the, uh, the power day. This is the power day. And uh, to, the, to, to the Christian, it's the power of the descent of the Holy Spirit. But to the Jews, it's the Feast of First Fruits. And the only other important feast other than First Fruits is the Feast of Passover. So this is a powerful day in the light of God. And it released not only the power to the church, but it released the gifts. It released the fruits. It was a big gate that just opened wide, and everything that was stored in God and stored in heaven was available to the church. And today we look around, and I don't think that the church of Jesus Christ is as powerful as it should be. But we did see that that it is moving in our land. There are dignitaries that ask for the blessings of God on our government. You know, all we hear is all the bad things, but there's good things also going on. God has his people placed in places to bring glory to our world. And so it's, it's, it's just, you know, God is, all things are possible to God. We say that, but sometimes we don't have the power behind it to believe it. But the day of Pentecost came and Jesus said it would come and he said, Ye shall be filled with power. And that's the day that power entered the church of Jesus Christ. And if you're a born-again believer, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you because you can't be saved unless he came to you and drew you to him. So that's the beginning of the power. And there's always more in God. 
Do you, do you get an amen with that? Amen. There's always more. When you read the same scripture for the fifth time and he gives you a brand new revelation, you know there's power in the word of God. So the power is in the born-again believer. There's just more. There's always more. Wherever you are in God, there's always more. He's a more God. You know, we don't need to ever call fall short of the power that God has. So, you know, the day that he touched Peter and he said, Upon this man, I'll build, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Not the man, but the church. And we are built upon something that is solid and firm. And we need to know that today. And that's what we see on Pentecost Sunday. We see the power of God revealed. Jesus' promise came to pass. And it's a powerful day in the church. The Holy Ghost is for all people who believe in Jesus. You know, I believe that on the day of Pentecost that Judas was with the twelve. They were all there. They were all in one accord. And God is not prejudiced to any human humanity because he, he fell on them. He gave them the promise and Judas was there and he had the ability to follow the right path. You know, and so we have the ability to follow the right path. And if we get on the right path, we, we desire the power and the anointing of God and we rest in his presence, you know, God is there to do so much for us. So uh, this is the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came, the day that Jesus' promise was revealed and power was given to the church. Now, it's not a power to be somebody. It's a power that speaks in the depth of your heart, that takes you through the trials and the tribulations, that when you think God failed, you follow him anyhow. When you suffer, you follow him anyhow. That's the kind of power we're talking about. It's not a power to overtake some company. It's a power in God to stay firm and grounded in God no matter the crisis. You may stand at the side of a, a death loved one, but you have the power in you to know that they're with the Lord or you have the power within you to get through the grief process and to do what it is that God wants you to do in your life. Because everyone is individual before God. And that's what the young people need to know because sometimes they go on the shirt tail of their parents. Their parents took them to church. Their parents did everything spiritually for them. And so they think that everything is good. But we're an individual before God and he's working in our life. And he will come to a Pentecost in our life when he's ready. And he will open up the gates of heaven like no, like nobody ever had them. So I, I want to talk about that today. It's always amazing and wonderful to speak on Pentecost Sunday. It's wonderful to wear my Holy Ghost banner of fire. Yeah. You know, I want the fire to come alive in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, Every Sunday is a great Sunday for God. It's a great day for the temples to come into the temple and worship God. And so I'm just, I'm just so prepared. For the Pentecost Sunday, because I'm always excited to know that that's the day the wind of God came into the church. My title today is The Mighty Wind of God. I've said this to you a multitude of times. But when you read the scriptures, just take a portion. Take a portion of scripture. Like Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 135 that today that I'm going to talk about a little bit. Because it says, out of the treasures... Of God comes the wind of the Spirit. It's found in Psalm 135.7. And it would be great to read that whole psalm in your devotions this week. And take it apart 
verse by verse, get a study Bible and take it apart verse by verse and see what it is that God is saying. In one verse, he's saying multitudes of things when when your spirit is open to it and you desire it. It says he causes the vapors to ascend. We already read these scriptures, but I'm going to do it again now. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. When you see the mist and the dew and all that, God's in, God's in motion. God's moving. I, I hear people tell me, oh, I'm so glad it's summer. I don't like the wind, but you can read in scripture that he prepares the snow too. So all things that come from God is good. It doesn't always feel good, but it's always good because it's his gifts out of the treasures. So it says, he, he ascends from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasures. Did you know God has a treasure chest? And there's a lot of things in it. And he brings things out of that treasure. Something is a treasure to him. When he gave us the Holy Spirit and we became born again, that was a treasure. That was his glorious treasure. He said, Jesus, you did a good job. And thank you for bringing salvation to my people. You know, uh, I think about treasures. Sometimes I think, oh, if we had the treasure, you know, if the treasury was big enough, we could do this and we could do that in the house of God. But the treasures that we want is the spiritual treasures that God has given to the body of Christ. So we're going to talk about the wind, the mighty wind of God. When I begin to search out the wind, I was just totally amazed. I read the Bible through, you know, I read these scriptures, but now I'm just looking at the wind of God. What is the wind of God in scripture? You know, how powerful is the wind of God? Is the wind of God something that I want to preach about? And when I begin to look at look at it it's the wind is in all many places in the bible over a hundred times talks about the wind the wind did good things the wind did bad things the wind honors what god says so i begin to see the power in the wind of god and i begin to understand when a rushing mighty wind came and the power was dispatched no wonder they spoke in other tongues they were just they were just out of themselves and into the depth of the spirit of god so we know the basics of Christianity. We know how to be saved. We know how to live for God. Whether we do it or not, we know. You know, and, and so often our young people that we're praying for, they go astray when they get up in the teen years, you know. But if you've raised them in the power of God and in the house of God and they give them scriptures like Dominic, we, he read scriptures every Sunday with us. The word of God is in him. The word of God is in my daughters. They lived in the house of God. So that word does not return void, church. That word is powerful. And it's like a wind in their spirit. And then they get agitated because they, the, the wind of God is nudging them and moving in them and, and correcting them. And, and, you know, then they get nasty. And it, because they, they know that there's a conviction in their spirit. The one of the works of the wind of God is to convict us. It's also to bless us. It's also to fill us with his power. It's so wonderful. You can do, use the wind of God anywhere in your life with the gifts, the fruits, whatever. What, what needs to be manifested in spiritual life can be given through the power of the mighty wind of God. Job 33.4, he is the oldest uh, and, and most ancient book written. He says, the spirit of God hath made me. 
and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Sometimes I think we forget how God was involved in our being alive. There's a wind of his, of his breath that came into us and gave us life. Sometimes we forget that he has a strong hand in the part of the creation of you, of me, of who we are. Sometimes we don't like anything about ourselves. We're not tall enough. We're, we don't have enough hair. We, all those kinds of things. My eyebrows are never straight. We are so worried about how we look that we are the creative force of God within us. And when we look in the mirror, we should see the power and the presence of God prevailing in our countenance because that's how powerful he is. Don't, never, 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 never think the things of this world is more powerful than God. This is the day that God gave us power and said, you have power over the works of darkness and you will prevail. Now, notice this passage of Scripture. We read it today in Ezekiel 37. The Spirit of God spoke to Ezekiel and he said unto him, he said, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon those slain that they may live. You know, that's so powerful. If you've ever read, this is a valley of dry bones in the Old Testament. We don't have time to go into it all, but it's in Ezekiel 37. That is mentioned here is the four winds of God and the breath. So the breath of God is the wind of God. It's out of his treasures, and every time you breathe it in and breathe it out, you're messing in the treasure of God. Do you hear me? So what you say should glorify God. Amen. What you say should be committed to holiness and righteousness and goodness and meekness and all those things that God has given to us. So he says, um, oh, Come from the wind, you four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And if you read that later, you'll see that what happened. He, breath, he breathed on them, and those bones came alive, and the sinew came on them, and they became a living mighty living army it's important church you read that and you think it's kind of like a fairy tale you know this but it is the breath of god the wind of god the mighty wind of god which is more powerful every time you suck in a breath you're sucking in a treasure of god because jesus died that you might become born again the mighty wind of god descended on humanity on the day of pentecost and out of the treasures of God came a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house with this power. And never believe that you don't have his power in you, you know, because the power of God comes at salvation. And then the gifts and the strength and the, all the essence that God has in the Holy Ghost comes, the tongues, the interpretations, the fruits, the gifts, all of that comes because he empowered the church on this day. Then the church was born this day. This is the day at the beginning of the church. And they have to be in one accord. You know, you can't have a bolsterous argument with your mate or your son or your friend or somebody and then expect that the glory of God is going to be upon you. You can have those discussions. You can speak to the enemy. You can do all sorts of things that God has given us the liberty to do. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And he expects more out of us who has his wind in us than those in the world. And look how gracious he was to give the breath to all those who don't even serve him. 
What a gracious God we serve. The spirit of truth was ushered in when the power came. And all of a sudden, there was no more restrictions. There was no more instructions. There was no more limitation. God gave us the free will to choose the path that we want to live. And so I'm thankful for all of you that chose this path and that you're here. And we're in one accord today. And they were were in one accord. And when when they got in one accord in the upper room, it took a few weeks, you know, some time before the Holy Ghost came. They had to be in one accord. And when the church of Jesus Christ at large gets in one accord and preaches Christ more than they preach all of the entertainment, then the church will have a revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. Turn with me, or it's in your bulletin, wherever, Acts 2, and we're going to read this once more together, but I'm just going to read it, and I want you to see it with your eyes because I want to stop and talk in places. Acts 2, this is where the Holy Ghost came and the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost was come. It wasn't just come, church. It was fully come. Do you see that? Fully come. Everything that God has for the church of Jesus Christ came that day. We don't have to expect something down the road. He's here. Everything he has in his treasures is open to the church. So it was fully come. It's important. Don't leave out the word fully. It's very, very important. It was fully come and they were all in one accord and they were all in one place. Thank God they obeyed him and went to the upper room and they did what he said. Took a little time to get that one accord because they were discussing certain things there. But they got the one accord and suddenly there came the sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. I mean the cracks and the crannies. Everything was filled with the power and the presence of God. That's why we want the church, the edifice, to be holy. We want it to be pure. We, we, we don't want children playing on the platform, and, and they don't in this house. But, you know, it, sometimes somebody said to me once, well, you, you said that they, they released the instruction from the Old Testament, but look at all the instructions you got for the house of God. And I said, well, the house of God is holy. It's not just a building. It's not like our house, you know. It's not a bedroom and it's not a a play yard. It's a sacred place. It's God's place. God meets with us there. And we have to have it holy and clean and righteous that we can come in and we can sense the presence of God in his house and then it reveals in us and causes us to calm down, go to the altar, preach, you, you know, deal with ourselves. Amen? So it's a mighty, mighty wind of God that swept through the church and it didn't leave any corners or cracks, you know. May God sweep through our temples like that. You know, I know that we love God with all of our heart, but sometimes we reserve corners or cracks or crannies in our heart to remember things and to maybe not forgive or maybe just to remember it and be upset about it when we think about it. You know, but the Holy Spirit, when you when you come to salvation and he saves you and he cleanses you from unrighteousness, he sweeps through. When the Holy Spirit came, he sweeps through. Ever, ever, there's no corner to hide. Now, sometimes we, the temple, we hide things in our hearts, you know. And then we hide them so tight that we forget they're hid. And then we have problems and difficulties. And we don't know why we're having problems and difficulties because we shut that corner off and we haven't cleansed it. And it's not righteous before God. 
So God, God wants his house clean and he wants his temple clean. So this mighty rushing wind swept out everything. When you become born again, you get that sweeping. And then when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that's just another measure of it. And it sweeps out more corners. You got things that uh, you think things are all clean, but then when you when you sit down in the power of His presence and He begins to reveal things, then all of a sudden some little corner that's hid opens up, and you have to face it. And church, we need to be mindful of that. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to, you know, when anything comes back to us and we remember, and the hurt comes back, we need to immediately ask for forgiveness and keep our hearts swept out with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be. Powerful for the kingdom of God. Our witness needs to be powerful. If we say we serve the Lord on the assembly line, and then we 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 mash our finger, and the words that come out are not holy, they hear us. They hear us say that we serve God. They hear us with, that we we believe in righteousness and all those things. And then when some little thing attacks us and something comes out that's not too glorified then that's why Christianity is made a mockery today in the midst of the world because Christians have not lived their life. God gives us the power to live our life. Sometimes we have to correct ourselves. We have to know the Holy Spirit's dealing with us. Well, I don't know why I'm dealing with that today, but that's something that the Lord put into my heart to share with you that the wind swept the house clean and may he sweep our temples clean that we can be the glory and honor unto him. I want Jesus to fill our house. I want the people to feel the presence of God when they walk in here. Not because there's great preachers in here or teachers or anything like that, but because his presence resides in here. And if he feels that this is a holy place, he will reside there. And so that's important to me. So there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it's set upon each one of them. So... God gives everybody the opportunity to see his power and his glory and to come to salvation. And my greatest example of that is Judas because he was there when those things all happened and God still filled everybody in that house. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. What a powerful day. Jesus said you shall receive power. And the church was weak until that day. And then it was filled with the power and anointing. So I think that, you know, we we lift our hands and worship to him. I think something that we can change in our house is more audible praise. More audible praise, you know. More audible worship. More audible prayer. You know, releasing the depth of our hearts. Like the Holy Spirit said to me today, the well is running over you know, we, he desired us to come to the well and get into that flow of the Spirit that our bodies and our lives might overflow with the power of His presence. And I, I, I believe that we, we are, we are not a showy people. You know, we are not a showy people. And therefore, we're more silent in our prayers. We're more silent in our worship. You know, but I tell you something, if you ever been upset and you got in the shower and you just gave it a big holler, you ever just give give off and you, sometimes I just talk to myself, I just correct myself right out loud, you know, because you, you have to have that, that, that flow of correction and meditation and honor to God. And so when we come into his house, uh, I'd love it to be a little more audible. I'd love to hear somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
And I, I'd love to hear Jesus move in him and say, hey, I'm here. And then I'd love to hear him say, thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I, I like the ball games because everybody gets excited. They want their team to win. And you know what, church? Our team has won. And if anybody has a, an audible holler, it should be for Jesus. So I'm just, I'm just out there. I'll, I'll, I'll worship out loud with you. I love to do that. So, but uh, John 15:26 said, "When the Comforter has come, He has come. Remember that. When the Comforter has come, whom I will send from my Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which preside, which proceedeth from my Father, He will set, testify, testify of you. Oh Jesus, we need that testimony of your presence." You know, when we walk in the marketplace with a scowl on our face, we do not have a testimony that Christ lives in us. I try to get this on you, that we need to have the presence of God in our structure that we might be a, a, a blessing to somebody. Somebody might be discouraged. We meet them. We have the countenance of God on them. The Holy Ghost can prick their hearts, you know, and we'd be the reason for it because we, sh- we shared Christ. It's important, church. The comforter has come. No matter what you go through, no matter the trials you have, you have the comforter if you believe that he's there. And you have to speak to yourself, hold on now, girl, the comforter is here. The comforter is here and he is going to help you through this trial or tribulation. So it's Psalm 135, 7 that says, The Lord will bring forth the wind out of his treasures. Isn't that awesome? We have a mighty God releasing a powerful treasure of his Holy Ghost on humanity. Oh, the glory of God's powerful wind, the gift-giving wind. It's a gift-giving wind. Now, I don't have time to give you all the scriptures I found that the wind of God is gift-giving, but I got one or two to prove what I'm saying to you today so that you'll get excited as me. Remember the Israelites, God gave them manna, and they, they could go out and eat the manna and gather the manna and all that. Well, they got gripey after a while. Did you ever just get gripey of something that God has asked you to do, and you just go, I did that, I don't want to do that. You don't do that, do you? Numbers 11.31. So they was griping about the manna. Now, understand that Jesus, or God, sent this um, help, this gift to them while they were griping. What kind of God does that? We have a glorious God, don't we? So in uh, Numbers 11, it says, they went forth. There went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp. They did, God didn't even make them walk to find it. He just He just went by and dropped the meat right where they were so they could have it. Now, you know, sometimes you think God doesn't hear our murmuring and complaining. But God's there even when we have those spells. And I guess we're all human and we all have that. And when we're there, God still hears us and God still answered their prayer. You have to read it there in Numbers 11, the story, how that they were, they were fussing and they wanted meat instead of God's manna. And I think that's kind of where the church world is today. They kind of want some meat and, and I don't know what they think meat is because they take the meat in and what do they do with the meat? Meat is a substance to portray strength and honor for the kingdom of God. So he's a, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, is a gift giver. When the devil harasses you, he sends the wind. This is the wind that uh, handles the devil when he harasses you. Exodus 15, 9 and 11. 
This is how the wind of God destroyed the enemy in David's battle. You'd have to read this passage to see the battle that was going on, the battle that raged against uh, uh, David and the Philistines were after him and all that stuff. You have to read it. But I'm just going to give you this scripture. This is what the wind does when the enemy is after you. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. And then the scripture says, Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead into the mighty waters. Isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Sometimes I think we should just sort of get excited about God instead of getting so uh, distraught about the works of the enemy. But that's what he wants to do to us. So when you have a bad day, you know that's what his plan is. But you also know what God's plan is. He's going to blow upon him and (laughs) sink as lead in the sea. The the first mention of wind is in Genesis 8.1. It's kind of important in Genesis 8.1. This is the first mention, mention of the wind. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assaged. In other words, the waters become calm. And then at the Red Sea, Exodus 14.1. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. All night this wind blew and made the sea dry land. And you know the story. And the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went forth into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. What a mighty wind. The Lord can send his wind into your life and he can dry up the rivers of of stress that the enemy brings to you. He has a way of doing it. And sometimes he does it when we don't even know. We just fall across the bed and cry because something's going so wrong. And all the while, he's blowing. the wind is blowing on our path, preparing the way for us. How awesome is the mighty wind of God. I never realized that. That to think about the wind of God being so mighty and so powerful and so important in the life of the Christian. But, you know, when you take the word apart and you go down it and you study it, it's just so wonderful. If you don't have a study Bible, get a study Bible. You need it because it's powerful. Now, there's a wind of God that corrects us. I'm not too happy about that one. And this is Jonah. Everybody knows the story of Jonah. He disobeyed God. God put him in a big fish. And he's down there amongst all the entrails of the fish. And he wants out. And God lets him out. And I, I, it's in Jonah 4.8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise. Okay, God, he got out. And he's sitting over there under the gourd. And God answered his prayer. So he, instead of being happy because it didn't work the way he wanted it. How many ever had God do something for you and you thought, well, I wish it was in a different way, you know. Sometimes God makes us walk through the fire. But you won't be burned if you go through the fire if you're a born-again believer. you know. But sometimes he makes us walk through the mountain, the hard place, instead of going around. So and that was Jonah. You know, he wanted it his way, and it wasn't it his way. And so the scripture says that it came to pass when the sun arose, he's sitting under the gourd over there murmuring that God prepared a vehement east wind. 
I don't want that wind, that vehement wind, no. It says, he prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon his head. Jonah fainted and wished in himself to die. It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, it does you good to be angry. I just think that's that's just uh, it's just interesting, and that was God's uh, pity to him. He says it does you good to be angry for the gourd, and so he just he he, he wilted the gourd, and he, it, no, uh, Jonah got mad at the gourd, and so he says it does you good to do that. We started with the mighty wind in Genesis, the mighty wind of God blowing, and now today, this moment, we're going to close with Revelation wind. And uh, it's Revelation uh, 7. It's the great seals of Revelation. You know, I can only give you these bits and pieces. You have to go there and read and see the fullness of it. But in Revelation 7 and 1, it says, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. They were holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And verse 2 says, Another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. How awesome is that? You understand the power of God's winds. There's four angels holding it back. You can just sort of, in your mind, you can just see them holding it back, but scooting along because God's wind is so powerful. You know, but uh, and sometimes that's us. You know, we want to do what's right, and we're and and maybe it's the wind of God that's causing us to do what's right, but we're just skidding along because it's not quite what we want. I tell you something: we can come to an obedience in God, where the power and the anointing and the wind of His Spirit will guide us and lead us and keep us in a safe path. And so, I just wanted to share these things with the church today. I want to tell you about the diversities of gifts. I'm just going to tell you where you can see what the power that was unleashed. And it's 1 Corinthians 12. Chapter 12 will do. Uh, and this is all the things that God has given to us. You know, the faith, the miracles, the tongues, the interpretation, the prophecy. All those are gifts out of the treasure of God. He's opened his treasure to the church. And you should look at them and say, God, which one do you want me to use? You know, and then when God speaks to you, He's speaking in this church all the time because there are gifts in this church that came with that power of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we hold them back. We need to be open with the gifts of God. And there's there's all of them. It's not just tongues and interpretation. If you notice the list, and I'm not bemeaning tongues or interpretation, but you notice the list, there's a whole long list, and at the end is the tongues and the interpretation. So it's important, it's part of it, but it's not all of it. And God can give you gifts of manifestation of the Spirit where you can see an evil spirit and you can know how to get it out and, and somebody else would just stand there and speak in tongues because they don't know how to get it out. You understand what I'm saying? That all these gifts are available to you because when God blew upon the earth and when he opened the promise of the Holy Spirit, these things came to you. But we, we need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's just, we got a Holy Spirit at salvation. Everybody doesn't agree with me on that, but that's, that's my theory. And afterward, he gives us more, more power. You know, when you get saved, you get the drawing of God bringing you to salvation. 
Then when you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you get the wind of God that's empowering you to do more. But it doesn't mean that you can't do spiritual things because you don't speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is just one of the things that's there. And that's just good. All these, the Bible says, all these worketh at one and the self-same spirit, divided to every man severally as he will. So that you get, you get all of the, the gifts that he gives to us. Then you get all the fruit of the spirit. See, where, where is the fruit of his spirit in us? Love, joy, peace. Long suffering is there. Faith. You know, so, so you get all those things. And when you get into the long suffering places where you need the wind of correction. Well, you need to say, like you said to Jonah, well, that's pretty good for you. Just be angry about it. You know? <laughs> so the fruit of the Spirit, you know that. And this diversities of gifts is 1 Corinthians 12. So much has been opened to us through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare us to work for God. What do we do for God? Yes, we study his word. Yes, we pray. But what do we physically do for the kingdom of God? Think about it. Find something and and put yourself in that place and ask for the wind of God to touch you and see if he won't anoint you and give you pleasure. I'm thankful, so thankful for Leonard. You know, Leonard is here every week, twice a week, cleaning the house of God. I think somewhere in his spirit he knows that God loves his house clean. Because I tell you, ours is spick and span. And I'm thankful that's a work. That's a call of God on his life. It's not one that we all want. But it's one that he wants and he's willing to do it. And that's a gift that God has given to the church. And there are others, all the worship leaders and all the people and the tithers. All those things are gifts of God. But we need to be physically working for God too. Okay, I think I've run over my time today. But uh, let us give unto the Lord this morning our tithe and offerings. I, I asked the Lord to blow on us today. So I don't know.